Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I would let my children go. Absolutely not if I felt they weren't safe. Businesses are suffering all over the place. Surely an energy director has to look at these price rises and say, are these justified? You take the kids, we'll take the bags. The kindness in her words, you know, I felt the tears flow. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Coach 96FM. Minus two degrees out there. Cold, bright, gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Bunch of schools closed, though, because there was some snow. Alan was on yesterday from Carlo Weather, and he said we were likely to see some snow in western areas, particularly. And he was right, as he usually is. There was some snow. There are some schools closed. I'll get to that in a little while. But first, uh, I want to bring in Maureen Tuig from the Corks 96 FM newsroom. We've had some violence overnight, Maureen, in Carrigaline. Bring us up to speed. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. That's right. Yeah, Gareth, the investigating an alleged assault that occurred um, at a house or a residence in Carrigaline last night. Now, it's uh, the incident occurred shortly before 11.30 p.m., and a man in his late teens received a number of apparent stab wounds during this incident. Uh, he was taken to Cork University Hospital where he's being treated and a male juvenile has been arrested by Gardaí. He was arrested at the scene and taken to Toker Garda station where he's currently detained. So it happened just shortly before 11.30pm last night. Now we had some violence in that area over Christmas, as we all remember. Uh, is it too late to say whether there's a connection? Or are these suggesting anything like that? It's too early at this stage to, to say anything like that. They they have a male juvenile arrested and detained. Uh, he's being questioned at Toker Garda station uh, while the, the man in his late teens who did receive a number of apparent stab wounds, he's being treated in hospital. So at the moment, uh, it's an investigation and anyone who would have any information, um, I'm sure the Garda would, would appreciate that. Sure, 1-800-666-111 is their free phone number. Now to the weather and Carlo, weather is Alan O'Reilly with us yesterday, Moirad, did predict there could be some snow, particularly in West Cork. There has been an it's led to some school closures. 
That's right, PG. I think the snow started falling yesterday evening. I was working on the desk until seven o'clock and, and, and around six o'clock there was reports all over Cork of snow falling. But yeah, it has caused some disruption this morning for schools and mainly the reason why some of these schools in West Cork have closed is because bus services that would bring pupils to school uh, weren't running uh, out of safety sake. So um, a lot of them took to, to social media and informed parents and students last night that they wouldn't be opening this morning. So they include uh, the likes of Colossus de Fubble in in Bantry and Our Lady of Mercy in Bantry. There's a mixture of secondary schools and primary schools. We've got School Vera in Ballangiri and um, MICC in Dunmanway. They're doing some online learning today. A School Community College, Jarena National School, a School Reed in Ballydee Hob, Skibbereen Community School in Timaligue National School. Uh, they're the ones that we've been made aware of and I'm sure where possible they'll be doing online learning today, something that became um, such a, a regular thing dur- during the pandemic. Um, so that's it's all for, for safety of course um when when conditions like this are, are so hazardous and you know there is icy stretches patches of freezing fog it is making for very difficult driving conditions uh this morning so road users you know, are advised to to take extreme care and i heard you saying there are uh, very low temperatures this morning there was a report of minus six in in mill street Jershan in that area this morning so really cold it's really cold all right Murray, thank you and that's the schools there's a list of them i'll read them out again in a minute they're closed not because people don't want to go to work or people don't want to go to school they're closed because the school bus would be risky uh, transporting school transport and in areas of West Cork that is how kids get to school on the bus so it would be risky so that's why the schools are closed I'll go through the list again in a few minutes another list is the list of things you can win with Live Free in 23 it's underway we'll do it between I think we're doing it between 10 and 11 this morning you'll have to stay listening I will do it though uh, we will send out the message to you to text to WhatsApp at 083 396 and then I'll call someone and you have to answer the phone the right way. I want to live free with Cork's 96 FM. On the list, a holiday worth two grand, a credit union account with your name on it and cash in it, 500 euro worth of takeaways all towards living free in 23. That happens between 10 and 11. Brought to you, of course, by Cork Credit Unions. Here for you always, and it's only on Cork's 96 FM. Let me just refer to something that is in the news and in the newspapers. It broke yesterday as we were going off the air. Simon rang it, ran in at the start of his programme and it was just too late. We'd, we'd shut down the microphones, but the news broke Yesterday afternoon about the uh, situation with poor old Christy Dignam, a man for whom I have great affection, a man for whom I had the privilege of getting to know just a little bit through working him, working with him um, on a thing called the Song Collector Session. Roy Buckley's wonderful concept, the Song Collector Sessions. Christy and Joe Jewell used to play wonderful gigs, wonderful, wonderful gigs at the Song Collectors Sessions. And I got to know Christy a little bit through being the MC there and chatting with him off stage and chatting with him backstage and having a laugh and a cup of tea. And do you know yourself? Such a lovely, gentle, funny, honest fella who'd been through the mill and out the other side and 10 years ago they gave him six months and it unfortunately we look the news is not good he is now in palliative care at home with his family the irish daily mail asks us to or the irish daily mirror asks us to pray for christy 
the son quotes his bandmates. Uh, there are no words. We're devastated. Uh, yep. Yeah. Pray for Christie, says the star. He's on all of the newspapers this morning uh, because his, his ability to engage with an audience, and I saw it up close so many times, not at big stadium gigs, not at big marquee gigs, not in the opera house. I saw it, one great memory I have, I saw it in Cheers in Fermoy, in Paul's place down there. His ability to come down off stage and sit on a bar stool or sit on a little small stool there at a, at a table and sing to the people around him. Crazy world. What an extraordinary gift that he has to engage with, with an audience. And that's why he is so loved. The last time he was on the show, and I'll, we'll come back to Christy, obviously, over the days to come, but uh, the last time he was live in this studio, sitting opposite me here, was October of 2019 when they were in for the Jazz Festival. And they were so funny. They were booked to play the Jazz Festival. They played the Jazz Festival a couple of times, actually. They played it, they were the last concert in the old Savoy. It was them opening the Jazz Festival. And he threw in a version of Patsy Cline's Crazy, just for the fun. And he walked out on stage that day and he says, Ah, oh, Jesus, I haven't played in two years now. We're a bleeding jazz band. That was Christy. But when he sat here in front of me in 2019, I asked him about the illness that he had, which was diagnosed in 2013. There's no cure for the condition, so basically what happens is um, when the, the uh, when the cancer comes back, I have to do a chemotherapy. The last chemotherapy I done was about six months ago. That holds her at bay for about nine months to a year. Then you still more chemo. But every time you do chemotherapy, you, your cells start to recognise the drug and find ways going around yeah. the shape to find a new chemotherapy. So you're kind of battling all the time trying to keep ahead of it. I asked the doctor, he says, no, he says, they'll never find a cure for yours because it's not like a tumour where they can home in on one particular area because it's in my bone marrow, it's everywhere, you yeah, know. Yeah, I got you. So they can't, home, they can't just kind of research like a liver yeah. or a kidney or whatever. It's, it's it great that it's under control because you, you went through some fairly hard, fairly hard years. We yeah. nearly lost you a couple of times. Yeah, well, well, when I came out of hospital six years ago, they gave me six months and they told me if I had anything on my bucket list to do it now, you know, if I wanted to see anywhere because they said, look, we give you about six months. So then when I started kind of getting a little bit better, um, we were doing a gig in Limerick and I was doing a selfie with this girl and she was coughing and fluttering beside me. And because with, the, with me doing so much chemo, uh, my immune system is shattered, you know, mm. it's, it's uh, compromised. So I got sepsis and that nearly killed me, you know. God. So, yeah. so yeah, it's you're constantly battling stuff yeah. like that. But know? the farm is good in the yeah. moment, the health is good at the moment. And you were in the marquee during the, during the summer and that, that was that a super was one gig. That was the best gigs I've ever done. And I, I remarked to my wife that night, she was with me and my son, I said, I haven't seen Christy looking so well. Yeah, in a, in that a long was amazing, time. It was. Yeah, it was an amazing gig, and he was an amazing. He is an amazing fellow, and still with us, still with us. But uh, there will be no more performances, and he is uh, receiving palliative care and the love of his family at their home. And we're thinking of him, and I'm sending my thoughts. And I through my through our mutual friend Roy Buckley, I sent my thoughts uh, yesterday. You guys ready? Drive home weekdays from four on Cork's 96 FM. I've got more chances for you to qualify for Live Free in 23 on the show this week. Make sure you're listening out for that cue to text on WhatsApp. And if I call you back, I don't want to hear you answering the phone saying, Hello. I need to hear you answer with, I want to live free 
96 FM. A lot of kindness out there in among all the negative. Lovely story coming from Una in Skibbereen, but I'll, and I'll give you that one in a second. But Karen, you were on your way from Clonakilty to Dublin. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. What happened? Well, I was on the road on, on Sunday morning. Um, I was on um, driving from Clannacilty to Dublin Airport on my own. Mm. And um, I had my flight was at 11 o'clock. So I left Clannacilty at six in the morning, um, all packed and ready to go the night before and off I headed. And just outside Bandon then, um, it was raining mm. and um, my windscreen wipers were gone and one of them snapped off. Oh dear. The, unfortunately, the one on my side of the car snapped off. So I had no wiper on my side of the car. So I was, oh my, it was so stressful. So it was, it was kind of drizzly rain now at that point. So I didn't have enough time to go back and take my mum's car or anything like that. So I had to keep going. And I um, was just praying that it wouldn't ra- rain too much. And um, so I came into um, Bishopstown roundabout there and the, the uh, garage was open there, Amber. So I popped in there and knocked on the window and um, somebody came out and tried to fix it for me, but they weren't able to. So kind of just, just I just better keep going and hope for the best, you know. So I kept going anyway, and it was drizzling. I could barely see through, and mm. the windscreen was, you know, it was, oh, it's just so stressful. So limping along anyway, and uh, going really slowly anyway. And I came up to the toll booth there at Mitchellstown. Yeah. And um, this uh, lovely, lovely old man was there, and he said, "Well, hello, darling. How are you? Where are you going this at this time of the morning? Are you coming? Are you coming home? Or are you going somewhere?" <laughs> and I said, "Oh my God, I'm so glad to meet somebody." And he said, well, what's the, what's the problem? Like, I was nearly in tears. Like, And um, he said, I said, look, my windscreen wiping is after snapping off. Would you, have you any advice? Is there anywhere open that I can go and get it fixed at this hour of the morning? Mm. It's around half seven now at this point. Nothing open on a Sunday morning. Like, And he said, oh, let me have, let me have a look at it there, darling. Like, so he hopped out of, the, out of his booth and came around to um, the, the car. And I, I said, look, I rang my husband. He said, it's really complicated. I, you know, it's a, it's a mechanic job, I think. Like, mm-hmm. just, just let me have a look at it anyway, darling. Anyway. So he filled around with the windscreen. So the passenger windscreen was still working and was yeah. still on. Mm-hmm. And uh, he filled around anyway. And he, and he took it off and put it on. To, in a, in a, yeah. two minutes, he had yeah. it all sorted. There's a knacky uh, little button on those. They're, they're nearly all the same. It's a very natty little catch. And it's more to figure out how to do it but once you know you know I know (laughs) yeah it was unbelievable I just couldn't believe it like it was like an angel sent from heaven you know because I was heading off to um, I'm in the south of France now actually I was heading off for, um, for my sister's big birthday it's on today and um, I had a boot full of presents and I was all excited. I haven't seen her in months, you know. And I suppose I didn't realise how much I really wanted to go okay. until it was looking that I mightn't make, make it, you know. know. So, um, and then he was like, no, I was trying I was trying to give him money. I was like, well, please take money. Have a pint for me, on me. Like, no, 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 darling, sure. I would do it for anyone. You know, it was just, and the cars were backing up behind me, like, you he know. Didn't care. Uh, they were waiting to go through the toll and he was just waving them off and saying, relax, relax. Like, you know, he oh, was just yeah. so, so nice. Like, that, and that, uh, that, on top yeah. of everything else, I'm, I'm actually type one diabetic. Oh, I see. So my blood sugars were going through the roof. I could see them going, you know, I was going so stressed out. Like, and I was just, he was just amazing. Good, like, good. and I, I, unfortunately I didn't get his name. I was just going to ask um, you. 
No, I didn't. I'm, I'm raging with myself, actually. But um, a big, huge thank you to that kind man who really, really went out of his way and wouldn't take anything for it either. Like, it's just, just so nice. Yeah. It's, it's lovely. There are so many nice people out there. Thank you, Karen, for that story and enjoy the big day with your sister. Yeah, they are fabulous at, at the toll booths. They're all so friendly if you ever have a problem. I have a tag on my car, which means I rarely go through the booth. But anyone I know who has been through the booth, who's ever had a problem, like, you know, you're fishing around for a bit of change or something or like that story there, you'll have a problem. They'll, they'll try to help as best they can. Sheena, this is about electric cars. Uh, you you were listening to me, I think, yesterday, talking to Conor Faulkton yeah. about them, uh, and you yeah. have a point to make. Morning. Morning. How are you? How's everyone? Um, I do really good. I look, they look they look really nice, but I've, I've, I've seen a few um, near misses at, the, at schools when I've been waiting for my son in school and stuff, where... I suppose, look, their kids, especially when he was in the primary school, and he just got into first year, but um, where you'd be parked up early and you'd you'd see the kids just coming across and they'd be talking with their friends, they'd look up and down and see no car and just look, maybe their friend might say something and they'd just look, and t- look to them mm. and then start walking out onto the road and sure before they know it, then there's a car just jamming on the brakes because... There's a kid after coming out onto the road, but it's like the, the kids can't hear it. So they're very I, silent. I, they're very quiet. Yeah. yeah, and I've seen ones where where we'll say if people ha- in a car park there now recently where um, there was a mother actually she was opening the boot and she was she the kids at the back of the boot holding like while she was getting stuff out of the boot, but there was a car. It was an electric car then reversing back. Sure, with the minute she turned around, the car was nearly in front of her, but she didn't even look because she didn't hear the car mm. reversing back but I, I, I remember at the time when I did see that the few near misses at the school or right in Bishopstown I, I remember actually ringing the principal and just actually saying it to him and saying you know I think some of the schools need to be make the kids more aware More, I, I know they do in different regards but I think just a little bit more aware of the roads and the cars because you, they just, you can't hear them. Like I had, had a narrow one here myself like one morning, Sheena, a couple of years ago, one summer's morning, I was wandering in here to work and like that now, I was coming down the road, walking outside the cars on my way to crossing the road and this electric car reversed out and I hadn't a clue and I was yeah. completely unaware because yeah. I, I hadn't heard a thing. Yeah. yeah, I just think it's like, as I said now, I look, we, I'm sure everyone at some stage has come across some sort of a scene it or have walked out and have like that near misses or whatever with especially with the electric cars but I just think it's it should be a huge thing flagged for schools like especially yeah. some of the schools and housing estates there I see it now with the secondary school he's in Bishopstown secondary school and I see it where he's part, or in parked up early and like that all the kids are coming out and they're crossing the roads and everything and like to be fair most of them are actually are looking left and right mm. and then like that they're distracted with their friend for this for a split second or you know or might look up the opposite way again and I'm sure before they know it there's a car there and you know poor parents are giving out to the kids but sure what can they like it's do you, not do you think that electric cars should have some kind of fake inner engine noise in them I, I, I think if they go below a certain speed I think absolutely and I think if they were down if they were below a certain speed which would be the examples of going through a housing estate, going through an, into a car park, a uh, petrol station, all those small areas where you would have low speed, you, you would have a, um, a smaller speed. I think there should be something that comes on in the car because it's, it's, only, it's, it's only a matter of time before somebody's going to get knocked down by 
one of them are again you, the elderly sure like there's some of the elderly there like they're trying to cross roads and mm. you know they're it's just it's just so dangerous like and it's, they look lovely everything mm. or at least if you've an and they're the way to go if you're to listen to the experts we will all eventually drive electric yeah oh yeah but I just think I think um I just I think for just for housing estates and as I said maybe if they go maybe when they're when at, down the road when they are being made yeah if they were going under a certain speed mm. that there would be something or for reversing there's no noise for reversing yes you know like yeah. if you're in a car okay a truck, yeah. a truck has a bleeper like yeah mm. if you're in a car it's probably beeping to tell you you're getting close to a car behind you but sure that's of no benefit to to anyone walking that's out true. or anyone that's doing true. anything to a that's car that's true that's true you the know? beeper goes off inside the car not outside it Sheena thank you uh, pause for thought electric cars there's more of them out there as we were saying yesterday with Conor Falkland they are the way forward uh, yes they're a little different in how they drive but they're silent or virtually silent and Sheena is making the point look they're grand they're the way to go but you can't hear them so you could get caught and someone ref- you know She's seen near misses. I'm sure we all have. 0818 96 96 96. I was in Skibbereen. This is Una. I was in Skibbereen at the famine site. I left a scarf there and I posted about it online to see if anyone was in the area and could pick it up. A tatty old thing. Big knit, big knitting. Three women were answering me and said they were going to see if it was there. One woman picked it up and is sending it in the post to Cork. She has to dry it now before she can do that. Not amazing. There's a positive to social media, but there's something special about the locals down there too. The woman's name is Caroline. She works at Auntie Nelly's sweet shop in Clan. She said she wouldn't allow me to pay for the mail. She mentioned where she worked. Could you mention this, this and the store on your show? It was a reminder that good deeds, kindness and goodness does still exist. And that's from Una. And thank you, Una. You're not wrong. 0818-969696. We don't normally do these, but we will do this one. Hi, PJ. Can you wish our baby boy Noah a big, happy second birthday? From Mammy Tracy, Daddy Derek, sisters Caitlin, Shanice, Erin, Shannon, and his one and only big brother, Oshin. He brings so much joy to our lives. Hang on. Caitlin, Shanice, Erin, and Shannon. Four sisters. You, one thing you're going to have to teach him very early is he needs to wait for the bathroom. I totally agree, says this person on the phone at 0818 96 96 96. I agree that electric cars should make a little bit of noise, but here's another problem. Petrol or electric. People are wearing headphones. I assume not in the car. Oh, you mean pedestrian. <laughs> right. People are wearing headphones, and that means they hear absolutely nothing. I honestly think the government needs to educate people with a major campaign on the safety because of the way it's going. It's going to be the next big killer. Like smoking or drink. Uh, headphones. Now, as someone who wears my little earbuds on the bus, or when I'm going for the bus, or when I'm walking around town, I love to have my music with me, or radio program, whatever I'm listening to, podcast, whatever I'm listening to. I do love that. And I know there is a bit of a risk when you're wearing headphones. You've got to be doubly aware of what's coming on both sides of your traffic wise so I do see the point Sean says we have a plug in Hyundai Tucson it makes a noise when in electric mode going forward and the beep is outside the car when reversing good PJ we were in Spain last summer we had a long drive 
My husband had a headphone in one ear. The other was free. Yeah, oh, yeah, he just one, one earphone in. We were pulled over and he got a hefty fine. It taught him a lesson, says Anne. Yeah. And uh, they should use the same beeper you get on trucks when they reverse. Maybe a bit lower volume. I often wonder why cars don't have that beeper kind of a standard. Although, if you go into a car park, then everything's flipping beeping. Be like an orchestra. But, you know, in most cars now, modern cars, when you're reversing, it comes up on a camera or a beep if you're going too close to a wall or too close to the car next to you. But, and you'd wonder, like, can you, should you have that on the outside so that if you're reversing out, it'd be beep, beep. But imagine in a street full of cars, it'd tell them, yeah, not too sure it would work, Anne, but good thought. Uh, sorry, that was, uh, uh, you know what I'm saying, lads. You know what I'm saying. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Back to the subject of the health service. Finbar has been looking over the last ten or twelve years, maybe longer, of history of the health service, and he has a few points to make. We'll catch up with Finbar next. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. So Finbar. You sent us a big long email going through the history, as it were, of the health service over the last number of years. And you can go back and you can think of former ministers for health, Michal Martin, Brian Cowan, Mary Harney, Leah Varadkar, James Riley, Simon Harris, and the present holder of the chalice, uh, Stephen Donnelly. Uh, and you reckon that no matter who's in charge, it has just continued to get worse. Morning, Finbar. Good morning, uh, PJ. Yes, um, the health service has not improved one bit. Like, you have 812,000 people on a hospital waiting list at the moment. Mm. 812,000. Yeah. It's crazy. Smaller hospitals closed down or services removed from to, and centralised every service in the country. Yeah, you're talking about what happened, say, in Mallow or what happened in Bantry. Smaller hostels, hostels, Bantry, Mallow. All this happened at the time Fianna Fáil were in power and the Troika came to this country. Mm. Fianna Gael took over the public finances and when they went into the Department of Finance, they found that there was no money there and they centralised all services they set set the groundwork in 2011-2014 to centralise all services in in, in larger hospitals. Mm. Well, there's a certain amount of medical science that says that a number of very large, what they call centres of excellence, is the right way to be, and all the other areas would feed into that. So, so there's a bit of science there too. I know there's there's probably a bit of science there, PJ. But like, Mallow, Bantry had perfectly viable services. Mm-hmm. A&E, and they were carrying out operations in the smaller hospitals, and all them services were removed. Mm-hmm. They were all removed from from the service. Like, I I was very ill, two thousand and six. All my first surgeries were done in Mallow, nine-hour nine operation. Mm-hmm. All my treatment now is centralised, gone into hospitals in Cork. Like, I'm passing Mallow, I'm living in Mallow, mm-hmm. and I'm passing Mallow Hospital 
to drive to Cork. Why, where is the sense in that? Well, I have to say, I drive past Mallow Hospital, I suppose, once a month. And when I see no emergency department, I have to say I agree with you there that a hospital in a town as important as Mallow wouldn't have an emergency room. Makes no sense to me. And I know the medics will say, well, the centralization of things is is good science and all that. But it doesn't make sense to me, and I'm sure it doesn't make sense to you either. It doesn't make sense. It does not make sense. Like, things are getting worse. PJ, we have nurses, we have doctors. We have GPs, right, in this country. They are demoralised. They are demoralised every day they face into the health service in this country. Hmm. There's young doctors and nurses training at the moment. I, I was talking to a girl the other night. She's just finishing off her time. Mm-hmm. And she told me, she said, the very minute she have her training done, she is leaving this country. Now, there are some who believe, Finbar, that she should have to commit to working here for two to three years before she's allowed to do that. Would I you... don't agree to that. The government, the HSC, don't value. They do not value the people that are going to the health system at the moment. They don't value them. Yeah, but it costs like, 400,000 like... euro to train a doctor. And then they go on a plane. Would it be not right to ask them to give two years in our system? I don't think so, PJ, into a system that's broken. Mm. The system is broken. The system is completely broken. Like, you don't have an ambulance service. They're waiting two and two and a half hours Mm -hmm. for an ambulance. Well, we had a doctor on the show last week, Dr. Lisa. Um, who said that it was such a serious situation in her emergency department that they had run out of trolleys and that the ambulance trolley was the only trolley they had for the person until they could get admitted. So that's how serious it is now. That's how serious it is. And and what's happening then with the the ambulance, that ambulance then has to wait in the hospital and that trolley becomes available. Correct. So that's taking another ambulance system, an ambulance out of the system. Children, like, it's not rocket science. That's just the point. It seems to be rocket science because these problems are around since the times of Mary Harney. She was the one who said that the state of trolleys was a national emergency. James Riley said we would never see 500 a day on trolleys again. Every minister along the way, including Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael ministers and Mary Harney, who was PD and then independent, they've all said I'll fix it. None of them seem to have been able to. So so what do you think is the solution, Finbar? Uh, to be honest, PJ, I think the HAC is abolished and go back to the old health board system. Yeah, I think myself that's the way to go, because to be honest with you, the HSC are after going in there and they're after making things more, uh, a whole lot worse. Yeah, like they are after making things a whole lot worse. But like Ireland has never caught up in healthcare since the Troika came to this country, and that is my point. Yeah, like also, like you look at as statistics go from 2011. How many hospital beds have been put into the system? How many have been taken out through reconfiguration? It is staggering. Like, we have 
a situation in this country at the moment. There's 290 critical care beds in the system. Yeah. Best practice states there should be 350. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 350. Well, we had we more had, we, we had, had more hospital right. beds in this country in 1981. It was. Mm. And, like, there was more hospital beds in 1981 than there is today. Mm-hmm. And the population is after growing. We have an extra 70,000 people from Ukraine in this country through no fault their own mm-hmm. seeking refuge, Okay. Now, them people are going to need medical care. Yeah. They're going to suffer the same fate as the Irish people are currently suffering at the moment. Mm -hmm. If you were Minister for Health tomorrow morning, Finbar, what would you want to do first? I'd abolish the HSE. Okay. I'd abolish it because it seems to me it's top-heavy with administration. There's layers and layers of bureaucracy in the system. Yeah. It is top-heavy with administration. You can't get a hospital appointment. You can't get a doctor's appointment or a GP surgery or wait in a week or two weeks yes. to see a doctor. That, wouldn't, that used to never happen. That's true. Yeah. Like, yeah. If, if you're sick now and if you can't get a GP, you can't get a South Doc appointment. You won't want to go straight to A and E. Yeah, you're feeling unwell. And there's the problem, Finmar. You've you've a lot to say. We'll we'll see what people think of it. Yeah. Can I just say, PJ, before I finish, if people have a backbench GD in their constituency, it's about time that they started getting onto them. Because I tell you this much: they are sitting in the backbenches for a big pension. They're not holding the government to account. Forget this party and this whip system and fight for the people of Ireland because if they don't want people, more people are going to die from lack of care in this country. Finmar, I've enjoyed our conversation. Thank you. Thanks, PJ. Lodin, what Finbar has to say. Seamus, you're listening. Morning. Good morning. How are you doing, PJ? How are you? What are your thoughts? Well, I completely agree with Finbar there. Um, I think the sooner people call a general election and highlight the enormity of this problem in this country. Mm. You know, like housing is one thing, but the healthcare system is, as of today, actually, according to stats, Ireland's healthcare system ranks 80th, 80th in the uh, world, and it's now officially the worst healthcare system in the Northern Hemisphere. So I don't Where's know that statistic from, Seamus? Uh, I, I found it somewhere this morning. Um, I forget. I haven't got the. I'll get the article, but I'll forward it on so you can fact check it. But it's, it's there. Okay. Um, but I, I will send it on if you want to fact check it. It's ranked 80th, 80th in the uh, the whole world, and it's now officially the worst in the, the okay. Northern Hemisphere. You don't so remember this? Way, you, you don't remember who it, who compiled it? Do you? This is interesting. I've not seen it. I, yeah, no, I, I don't have it. Just the hands. Okay. I okay, had we'll it see if we can we pass it on to us I, when I we're was, done. Yeah, I'll I, pass it on to you when, when we're done. Yeah. But um, yeah. So I just don't know how any government could stand over that. Um, you know, at the end of the day, like everyone needs access to healthcare. It's one of the, you know, the fundamental services that, you know, and we're in the Western world. We don't need to kind of, um, 
you know, uh, qualifier statements when we talk about our healthcare. We're supposed to be one of the richest countries in the world. Mm. That's just the fist bigger, really. It's also fair, I suppose, to say that at this particular point in time, and let's make that very clear, at this particular point in time, there are delays in healthcare across the EU. There is, and I, apparently there's the parts of the EU are stockpiling med- medications as well, which I find very strange, to say the least, but... That's a that's a different yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, news news feeder story, but you, yeah, you it, think it's an election ha- would be needed? Well, yeah, I, like the facts of the matter out here, like you know, we have a government in place that are just living by their own mantra, which is their policy. Their mm. policies have failed this country beyond belief. It's now a case of any day we, you know, any any time we listen to the news or we look at a stat or a headline, is how worse can you know how bad can it get? Mm. Are we, have we reached any tipping point? But it's getting so bad now that there seems to be no tipping point or leverage or you know uh, stealing on how bad things can get in this country when mm. it comes to housing and healthcare. The fact of the matter is, we all need access to healthcare. We're all going to get old and sick, perhaps one day. You know, the young and old do, and it's it's horrific watching young children mm. go in and, and face this healthcare system and be let down. We had a 16 year old who um all she needed apparently was um, antibiotics to um. This is no, the girl in, in Limerick. There's an inquiry yeah, into that, so probably best not to say a whole. Plan, I won't, won't go into it. Here we, yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, the fact that, you know the fact that we have to say we can't go into it and get there's an inquiry says how choked up you know the system is. The healthcare system itself, in terms of protecting itself and not the people of this country. Mm. I will no, no. The reason I'm saying that, Seamus, I'm not protecting anyone except myself here. Do you know what I mean? Know, as, well, in, yeah, as in, no, if, no, if, no. if we say anything out of, out of, out of, out of the way. Not you guys, but it's me. So. Oh, no, I, I, I agree with you, but the mere fact that you have to do that, yeah, it's, you know, to protect yourself from saying anything or talking about it, says it, you know, it's it's mm. choked up. And that's, just, that's a whole new issue. But, yeah, I think it's it's one of the sticks that you can beat your government with, really, ultimately, at the next election. I, I'm not saying that any of the parties that get into power next time around are going to fix it all, but we certainly need a complete change of government. And, mm. uh, you know, the, 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 the electorate out there, when it comes to voting, the voting card, if you don't like what's in power, remember, you have to take those five options and those five options must be different to what's in power. But the, but there's, a th- there's a thing, Seamus, you know, if we had, and the next general election will be, I've covered as a journalist every general election since 1989. And You've seen it all. I've seen it all. I've seen it all. And one thing they have seen is that in every single election, the same people turn out to vote. The same people don't turn out to vote. And at the end of the day, very little actually changes. How would you feel about compulsory voting like happens in some parts of the world that would uh, force yeah. you? It forced people to make a scratch. Uh, that has its, it comes with its dangers too because the danger in that is you can have, unfortunately, you know there are, and I hate to say, it, but there are, there are you know careless idiots out there who don't really care about the system or the people of the country that we live in. But I just believe I have, I could be wrong, and you know I know that you know and I know that the history speaks for itself in this country. We've got two parties effectively running it and running the country at the same time into the ground, so it's their fault. Nobody else's. It's not your neighbour's fault. It's not a refugee. Uh, mm. uh, it's not a refugee's fault it's not an immigrant's fault it's your government's fault they mm. endorse the policy they run the law you know Here, that's, here's that's, a, so, 
a call that's come in about health um, and it says your experience of the health system varies an awful lot depending on what you are or who you are and what is wrong with you what is wrong with you and, and they remind us and I remember talking uh, yesterday with Emer. she's had a m- brilliant experience with our public health system when her little boy James got terribly terribly sick at just two weeks old and she couldn't say enough about the quality of care and the attention that he got. So, re- re- recalling that story, and, the, and this caller also said, there's other places where you can get a broken leg treated really quickly, but you're out of luck when it's something more serious or more urgent. Yeah. Can we be positive well, uh, and balanced about the whole thing? I watched my own mother. Um, she passed away last year, like, and I watched her go through she had a horrendous experience. The doctors are very good. The teams are very good, but this is a woman who is very ill, uh, a young woman as well, and uh, unfortunately, and she, she passed away. But I watched her Sorry go through the, 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 the. No, that's fine. She, she went through the medical system, and we had to watch the horror of her go in and out of A and E regularly, and mm. you know the turnaround times were horrendous. And this was a woman who was not fit to be, you know, to be left on a trolley or anything of the sort. And you know, I feel for when I hear this about the sixteen-year-old girl. I won't say any more on that, but. That's just, uh, I mean, it's it's horrendous. There's, there's no words to describe this. Yes. I think people need, to, I, th- I have a feeling, it could be wrong now, you know, we all think, you know, is this the year where we'll see a change? The shift was coming in the last election. You know, Leo Varadkar only got in on the fifth count. That doesn't, same no, James, that doesn't it. actually matter. I hear that one all the time. It doesn't ma- fifth or 25th count doesn't matter yeah. in our system, you know? Well the, well, the only thing that matters is the numbers that, that they're, you know, the numbers mm. of candidates of the various parties, as we know. And it's not just that, but it's it's the policies mm. that are put forward. I, I, I don't know how anybody can actually listen to, like, a, a member of Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael or Greens come to their door do, now do you remember the and other, believe what's been told, you know? Do you remember the other numbers that stacked up after the last election was that the if you, if you were to gather all of the, if you like, alternative parties together, yeah. they would have had the numbers, and yet they didn't come together. They couldn't come together. You know, unfortunately, that's and and that's and the argument is there. We've paid off opposition, or we've had that to, to date. They're, they're they're sitting there too comfortably in um in their positions. As soon as they get in the door, they sign up to all of their expenses, their benefits before they even get a salary payment. It's all too easy for paid off opposition to shout when they want to and stay quiet. You know, when they come to vote internally within the doll and that does get released as a public notice as well a lot of people they kind of ignore it but like when they vote on certain issues they, they say one thing a, a lot of the time on, on a doll debate and then do the opposite when they go to vote yeah well that, that's that, that's the weird bill. system and i have to say there's not yeah a, it's that, horrendous yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you don't you don't it's, you don't you don't seem to believe in anybody really Seamus do you of our current well, I, I can't I'm not a, I'm not a political party member but I I the only thing I can say, like, and, and this is, and I'm sorry, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of Sinn Féin. I'm certainly not a fan of Fianna Gael nor Fianna Fáil, you know, and the Greens. They, they've let us down. They've destroyed the country effectively for so many generations now. But I do believe that, you know, and Einstein said as well in his theory, like insanity is doing the same thing over and over mm. again. You have to change it. If you change the party um, system, you know, if you do put Sinn Féin in power, they might decide, you know what, we don't want to be in power yeah. with Fianna Fáil or Gael. We'll gather the numbers that were there beforehand and take all the independents and other parties with us. And if the people want that, 
then so be it. You yeah. might actually see a positive change. Give it yeah. a chance at least. Well, you know the, you know you the know? way it happens after an election, Seamus, and you're, you're after hitting I one know. of my sweet spots now, because as I said, <laughs> I, love, I love talking about that, that stuff. What happens after an election, is it a question of who can get the numbers together? And it doesn't matter whether it's Mary Lou, or uh, Leo, or Michal, yeah. or Eamon Ryan one of these days, or whatever. If they can get the numbers together, that's how, it, that's how our system works. You know? I think, to be honest with you, would you have to think that, like, with a lot of young people now, given the state of the country and what the experiences they've had over the last number of years, like, I think a lot of people, there are a lot of, like, former Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil members who've jumped ship in their line of thought now. And I have a feeling that, you know, they may just opt for something different. Mm-hmm. You know, don't forget that, you know... Do you think there'd be a big change in the morning if there was an election? There won't be, by the way. There won't be. But if there was an election called in the morning, do you think there'd be a big change? I think there would be. Yeah. I do believe there would be. I think, you know, I think people would just see the state of the country for what it is and the healthcare system, the housing is one. You, uh, you know, to date, the, the failures are just... Mind you, that uh, have been said, James, the healthcare and, and, and yes, the healthcare problems are there and at the moment they're, they're worse than, than ever. Housing speaks for itself as, as an issue. But the truth is our economy is flying it. Yeah, but you can only judge how great a country is in terms of like how it, you know it, it treats its people. Mm. The economy is fine, but like we live in this, it's a fiscal economy. It's not a real economy, you know. Like it, it, you can, you know, like Pascal. I don't know, I don't know who he's being great at throwing out figures and you know being fis, you know fiscal Pascal or whatever you want to call well, it. Well, if you take Michael McGrath as a prime example, the minister, the current yeah. minister for finance. Remember after the the, the budget the last time when yeah. they gave out, you know these the bit of help that you're getting with the electricity bill and you can feel about that as you wish that's that's not the point here yeah. but I said to him what happens if we have to do it again next winter now you know and he said well the money will be there and I thought isn't that kind of what you need is that someone had said well the money will be there if we need to do it again next winter that's that's true that you know and I agree with that like and you know they you, like I'm not saying like you, you do have to have a, a rainy day fund and we're lucky as a country that we do have it but at the same time, like, mm. like the, I, I respect that, you know... We need a rainy day fund, but it's already pouring rain, is what you're saying. Yeah, it's pouring rain at the moment. And, the, I mean, look at... On healthcare alone, just to help take healthcare by yeah. itself, you know, it's it's horrendous. It needs to be fixed. Yeah. You can't have people on a waiting list for 14 years. We can't have 16-year-olds um, dying on and I read a, I, I read out a list of names before I started this conversation and none of them have managed to take a fist off it. And I don't have a whole pile of confidence in anybody <laughs> at this stage to do it. But listen, it's been a good conversation and maybe it'll start some more. Seamus, thank you. And again, Finbar, before that. With regard to the, the electoral system and whether you're elected on the 5th or 25th count, Dave says, well, maybe you should matter. People speak and they don't vote for particular politicians and it makes no difference to the outcome. They still get in. How is that just and democratic? Well, Dave, the only way to make sure someone doesn't get in that you don't want to get in is don't even give them a number 26. That's the way to ensure it. The only way. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 97fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Oh, it's 96FM. Yeah, it's cold out there. Cold and bright and beautiful, but still very, very cold.
is on his or her, is it his or her, way back this year. Uh, so we could get a very, very hot spring and summer in this part of the world. We've had two nice summers back to back in Ireland. And, and before I get in trouble there, it is okay to understand on the one hand that climate change is a problem. And it is also okay on the other hand to love the summers we're getting as a result of it. I'm sorry, it is. And I do. I understand there's a problem with climate change, climate change but I love the good weather. But anyway, by the way, El Nino could well return according to early forecasts in 2023. El Nino is a fairly big weather system. It's a, it has a huge effect on the weather. And when it starts to move, it causes big change. And when it starts to move in the summertime, it causes a lot of heat. So that's been predicted. It's in the papers today. You can find it for yourself. Uh, the last two summers in Ireland, in Cork anyway, were glorious. But it does look as if, um, as if we're in for it more hot this hot weather this summer if El Nino decides to make an appearance. Very busy morning on the phones. Francis and Christine with me shortly but first Ian and staying with the subject of road safety and electric cars and whether they're safe and all people wearing headphones and how dangerous that is and this is a bugbear of mine I don't mind saying Ian you're not a fan of them scooters. Morning. How are you pleasure holding? I'm alright. You don't like um, them? Well, you know, I've no problem with somebody using them, but it's just they use them on footpaths. And I was crossing um, the Grange Road there recently, going between Super Value and Aldi. And a car was letting me cross the road, and all of a sudden, one of those scooters came up behind me. I didn't hear a thing, whipped around me, and nearly clipped me. Yeah. And, you couldn't, and you couldn't hear them. And they're illegal on the open road. Let us not forget that. They are illegal on the open road. Well, to be honest, I'm not sure of that, no. But this it's one true. was on the they're not, yes, the they're, not, they're, not, they're not legal on the open road as yet. Right, right, right. I didn't know that. But the thing is, they're so silent. You could nearly hear the electric cars sometimes. You know, there is a bit of noise out of them. Mm. But it's these scooters. You can't hear them. And I, as far as I know, the person was wearing headphones. Is it, uh, and whether they heard me to the using a few expressions, or I'm not sure. But they kind of came straight off the footpath as I was stepping off the footpath, nearly clipped me and kept on, uh, kept on going, and you couldn't hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think they have some kind of, yeah. if they're turning left or right, have some kind of noise indicator, or, you know, um, have some kind of noise on the battery because they're, Legal when you can't hear them. Yeah, there was a, a story there from local council recently from the JPC, the policing committee, where councillor Ted Lucy said maybe the council should bring in its own bylaws because the national law isn't yet in place to do with with scooters. Yes, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, I I agree with that. As I said, I don't have a problem with people using them. They're lucky mm. little things if you want, you know, if you want to get somewhere, but it's that, uh, you know, they're so silent. Yeah. You know, and it's not the first time I've nearly been clipped by one, like, it while they're on the footpath, like, is it the, um, the back road there, you know, up to the Bull McCabe's, you know, the, oh, I yeah. see the music in the odds. Well, what does my head in, Ian? Yes, the danger of being clipped, the fact they're completely silent, 
the fact that they shouldn't actually be on the road in the first place. I get over those things. If they actually obeyed the rules of the flipping road while they're on the road. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's a day tend to kind of say, you know, I'm so nippy and fast and small and they, you know, they scoot in between cars and... They go the know, wrong way down one-way streets. They, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that as well. Like I said, uh, I haven't really noticed them in town, no, like, but... You know, I see them a lot in the Grange area. It might be the same person or one or two people, and they're on the road, they're on the footpath. They'd, you know, they'd be on top on top of you in in two seconds. It's true. We were talking to John here, yeah. who was knocked down last summer by one. He got off a bus and knocked down, flattened by by one of those scooters, oh. and he's only really only over it since. Ian, thank you. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Yeah, those are still illegal on the open road. There's legislation going through the house, in reverse, of course, probably, but it is. Uh, but they are still illegal on the open road. Christine, another hazard. Morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. Yourself? Good. I'm good, thanks. I'm good. Do you know what I brought to your attention? Now, like, by Looney's chipped up there on up Mayfield. Yeah. My my husband and I were coming up the other way, and the bus was stopped on the other side of the road. Yes. There was this boy, I suppose he was 12 or 13, he got off of the bus and texted him on the phone, walk, and he's hood up, walked straight across the road, never looked right nor left. Out from behind the bus? Out behind the bus. Mm. And I thank God my husband was travelling slow because he was very, very near the young fella. Yeah, yeah. It's very dangerous, right? I can remember... Learning in school, Christine, never yeah. walk out from behind a bus. I remember yeah. ads on the telly, never yeah. walk out yeah. from behind a bus. I wonder, do, do do youngsters learn that anymore? I don't think they do, you know. I don't really think they do. Like. I mean, you should see the way he walked across the road now. Texting on his phone. Never looked right nor left. Straight across the road. Yeah. Yeah. And we were very, very near to tipping him. Yeah, and of course you'd have been at fault because the, the the driver is always in the wrong when there's a pedestrian involved. Christine, thank you for that. Can't believe you're flagging electric cars as if it's the primary danger. It's only a drop in the ocean compared to the kids blatantly crossing the roads, gawking at their phones on the way to school. Electric cars can be dangerous, obviously, but schools not enforcing no phones rules crossing the road. Sure, that's incredible. My kids have been warned, if you cross a road, even with the phone in your hand, it'll be going in the bin. Was that you or the school who warned them that? Any parents not monitoring this rampant behaviour need to wake up before your child is killed. Also, drivers approaching as the kids cross are very possibly also looking at their phones. These people need to be fired into jail and treated even more seriously than drunk drivers. If they're listening, shame on you. You think we can't see you texting, but we can. Stop texting and driving before you end someone's life. And that is from Noel. Yeah. Texting while driving are the actions of an idiot. There's no need to text while driving. Had this yesterday, this conversation with Conor Faulkner. Now your modern car that bonds with your phone can do anything short of make you a sandwich while you're driving. And the more ability we give to the car, the more distractions there are for ourselves. 
to five, you say, lads. Marie. Hello. Hello. On cyclists and um, or scooters, was it? No, on scooters. Yes, go ahead. Yeah, I just think that the children should be wearing yellow vests. They all have dark clothing and you can't see them. And they're on the roads and on the country roads. And also, I think it would be a good idea to have a bell on the scooter. Yeah, like we used to have on a bike. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, so. Just to, that's just what I wanted to say that they should wear the yellow vests. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not even supposed to be on the open road under the current law. Well, out in the country here they are around the road, you know. Yeah, yeah. Children will will scoot away. And um but I think the yellow vest is the important thing. That's a fair point. And maybe even a bell Marie, thank you. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I won't say where I saw this because I don't want to identify the company in case they have taken note of it and changed it. But I remember a few months ago on social media there was a platform, one of the platforms there was a video and it was an ad for a scooter company and the the ad was filmed with scooter tackling a steep hill and the ad was how efficiently the scooter dealt with the steep hill and how good, you know yourself right? except the steep hill in question was a one way street and they were going up to the way, blatantly, in an advertising video for their product. They were going up the other way, up a one-way street. I messaged them on that platform and I said, Les, are you aware that whoever's riding the scooter in this ad is breaking the law? I never got a response, but I haven't been able to find the video since. 0818 96 96 96. Lots to come back to, and I will, I promise. But... OCD, Obsessive Compulsive Disorder. For many people, it is just an obsession with keeping themselves clean, with washing their hands, with washing their hair, with doing things over and over again. Like some people will put the light on and switch it off ten times. Some people will check the lock on the front door ten times. They'll get out of the car three or four times, check the lock on the door. It's all a kind of compulsive obsessive disorder. And there's many people living with it at various levels. We say, oh, I'm a little bit OCD about that, you know. But if you have real OCD, it's a problem. It, it dominated Stephanie's life, almost destroyed her life. Now, she's on the mend, but she's still dealing with it. I'll chat with Stephanie next. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So, Stephanie Doyle, You've had OCD for a number of years. You still have OCD, but but you're 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 in a better place than you were. But it was bad. Morning. Morning, PJ. Um, yeah, it's under control. I have it under control now. I I don't think anybody is ever going to be a hundred percent cure from OCD. I don't actually think there is ever a cure. But you learn how to manage your OCD and your symptoms. You know what your triggers are. You know, um, you know yourself. Uh, the OCD coming on, and oh, there's something not right. Okay, you know, I'm going to the sink. I'm going to the shower. This is not right. What's after happening now? It's something anxiety, stress related. Um, I'm. I could say I'm 75 to 80 percent there. But what I really want to say is, I'm able to live my life now. I wasn't couple of years ago I wasn't this time last year I wasn't able to live my life Can you remember how or when it started and and, and how bad did it get? Well, Isha, well, my anxiety and my depression started about in 2010 when I lost my nana um, but then they say it's anxiety related and then uh, about six years ago I went through another trauma and um, and that kicked off my OCD. It crept in. It didn't it, like it didn't just come overnight. It slowly persevered itself in, and uh, then it just started out as something so small, and it escalated to something that I couldn't. I was confined to my room. Um, really? I couldn't go outside. I couldn't go anywhere. Uh, I was confined to my room. I used to video chat my my family from from my room and they'd only be in the room next door to me. Explain that for me. Why would you not come out? I was afraid that I'd get dirty. I, I don't know. It wasn't germs. It wasn't contamination. Well, it was. I was afraid other people's dirt would be on me. Um, what dirt, their dirt is, I can never explain. To this day, I can't explain. Um, but it was that thought, that feeling of feeling right and feeling clean. And that's why when I was inside in my room, I'm around nobody. Um, nobody can come near me. Right, I feel clean. It was kind of like my safe place. Um, my room was. Uh, my family, they could have, if they were at a shop or if they were out socialising with people, I was thinking, right, other people's dirt is after getting on to them. Now their dirt could be passed on to me. Uh, and that's why I kind of kept away from I kept away from everybody I wasn't I had no life basically mm. I, I was sitting inside in my room my mum and dad went away one um, one for two nights or a night or two and they my mum made me a packed lunch I didn't go to bed that night I stayed up all that night because I couldn't go down to the shower because the the hallway going down to the shower wasn't clean uh, the 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 ensuite, it wasn't clean enough for me, even though it's it's spotless. But 
for me, it wasn't clean enough. I needed to have it clean before I go into the shower. Showering and washing became, is obsession an unfair word? No, that's exactly what it is. It, it, it is an obsession. Um, uh, yeah, that's exactly what OCD is. It's an obsession and a compulsive. You need to do the compulsion when you feel that, okay, I need to wash my hands. It's not just wash my hands for like a normal person. It's I need to wash my hands for about 15 minutes. I wash my hands until they started to bleed. Um, yeah, my hands, if they weren't bleeding, I felt, okay, the other person's dirt or whoever's dirt is on me. Okay, it's not off because my hands aren't bleeding, basically. Is it true that when you get out of the shower, having spent God knows how long in there, you would then reach for a bottle of sanitizer? Yeah, I used to go through bottles and bottles of sanitizer. Like this is the stuff now that during the pandemic we were we were cleaning our hands with ten times a day. You were rubbing this all over your body. Yeah, and on my face, my hair, anywhere, I was putting it. I was putting it on because I wanted to feel clean. And no, it destroyed my skin. No, my skin is okay now, but it was destroying my skin. My skin was all dried out. But if it wasn't stinging me. I wasn't happy because I was like, okay, I'm still dirty. It needs to sting to make sure it's working. Um, yeah, I, I used to that after every shower. I used sanitize during the day, but especially before I go to bed at night, I couldn't go into bed at night unless I had completely covered myself in sanitizer. And then I could put on my night clothes or then if my night clothes touched off something coming up the hall, right, I have to... Uh, I have to change my night clothes and my night clothes I could go up and down the hall about 10 times because I I'd have to keep changing my night clothes until I went down the hall that time and washed my hands without actually touching off anything coming up. So you'd pick out a pair of pajamas and you'd be bringing yeah. them back to the bedroom and they might brush off the wall of the landing and and they have to be changed. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, I could go through like the washing or the the washing was cruel. Um, like I could go through five or six pair of clothes during the actual day, and then during as I was getting ready for bed, yeah, I used to go through about five pairs of pajamas at night. That's what I used before getting into bed. Before actually even picking out the one that right, you're going into bed with this one. <laughs> now, apart from the massive electricity bills, and I'm not, I'm not yeah. being flippant here. That's no way to try to live, Stephanie. How how do you get? Where did you start to get help for that? Well, I've been attending a counsellor for my anxiety and depression for a long time. I've, I've attended a couple of counsellors, but then when my OCD started, I, I started attending a psychiatrist as well. Um, they were all very good I and mean, I can't complain about any counsellor that I ever went to but they were all very good but they never just I wasn't just getting to grips with the OCD it was still controlling my life and I texted in a couple of radio stations um, because at that point I was like right this is no way to be living even though a way I knew it always was no way to be living There's a thing you knew the, the OCD was there c- controlling your every movement but your yeah. mind knew this isn't right. That must be an awful way to be torn, Stephanie. It was. It was like uh, it's an invisible bully, basically. It's a bully that's in your head. Um, and yeah, I was aware of it, and I was aware that this was going on. I was aware this isn't right. If this was happening to my other, my brothers and sisters, if it was happening to anybody that I knew, I'm like, that's not right. I tell them to, you know, Leslie, you have to get to grips with this. 
but my mind it, it was telling me other things it was telling me no you have to clean you have to clean to feel right how did your family react to all of this my family were great anybody that knows my family knows how amazing they are I'll never be able to repay them they were absolutely brilliant but it was very very tough on them my mum and my dad they enabled me and don't get me wrong now when I say they enabled me they did what any parent would have done Mm. but now we know that it is actually wrong to enable the person that has the OCD. Define what you mean by enabling. I'm assuming something as simple as that enormous amount of laundry. Your mum was helping you because that's what your mum does but but she shouldn't have been. Yeah, my mum, okay, if I had five pairs of night clothes, if I had only five pairs of night clothes, I'd need night clothes for the next night. But my mum was washing them for me so I could go through the five of them again the next night. But if my mum didn't wash them for me, I wouldn't have the night clothes. So I'd only have to have to wear the one pair of night clothes. I'd have no other choice, basically. Right. So she was trying to help you in her own mind, but actually, actually she wasn't. That's a, That's a strange thing. Uh, that's exactly it. I couldn't as as I couldn't make a cup of tea. My mum used to make a cup of tea for me. She used to pour the milk for me. Um, she used to make me a sandwich. She used to put the ham in because I couldn't touch the outside of packages and stuff. And um, my mum used to do all that for me because I felt that she was clean enough. But if it was my brothers and sisters, I'd be like, no, I don't think they're a hundred percent clean. So my mum was enabling me to do. Uh, she she wasn't in it. She was helping me get through this like any parent would but it was actually the wrong thing to do and what should she have been doing because it, should she have been saying actually no Stephanie I'm not doing it for you should she have been saying that uh, yeah but at the time if she said that to me I'd say right I'll just go without it yeah now I know it's the wrong thing to do it's actually you have to put in so so much work you mm. have to get out of your head and say right I'm going to do this if you have to wash your hands after making the sandwich, if you even never eat the sandwich, at least you're after doing the first step and you're after, right, I'm after making the sandwich. So tomorrow I might eat the sandwich. Tomorrow I might wash my hands again after it. You have to put in a lot of work and it takes baby steps. Yeah. I'll, t- I'll tell you, like even going out, I used to love a night out with my sister and my brothers and everybody that knows me knows how much I'd be out every weekend, right? Um. I stopped going out. I couldn't go out with my sisters and my brothers. Now I go out with my sisters and my brothers. But what people don't know is I could spend two hours when I come home in the shower, scrubbing and scrubbing and scrubbing, trying to get whatever dirt I felt on me. But the thing I need to take from that is you went out. You went out and you lived a bit, like, you know. You you, you mentioned that you went through a lot of different counsellors until you found the right one. Did some counsellor say to you, well, Stephanie, there's a lot of work here and you need to be prepared to put it in? Well, the first couple of counsellors, they were all very nice to me and they were very understanding. But for me, I'm the sort of a person that you need to tell me something that I don't want to hear to mm-hmm. say, right, this is going to give me a kick in the ass, basically. Yeah. Um, and my mum Googled EMDR um, because somebody was actually texting it into the radio station and they said EMDR worked yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, so my mum Googled it and we got a counsellor in Limerick that did it. Now, EMDR is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. I have to say, I've never heard of it. I never heard of it either until that lady texted in because I felt cognitive behavioural therapy 
wasn't working for me. Now, it turns out I actually never did EMDR. It was actually always cognitive behavioral therapy that worked. Um, but my mum Googled it and this lady in Limerick came up. And when I went in there, there was World War. <laughs> That's what there was. I didn't, we didn't see eye to eye at all at all. And she said something to me that day that I wasn't willing to put in the work and that clicked at me and I'm like, no, ma'am begged me to go back and I said, no, I'm not going back. But when I came home that day, I didn't sanitize. I went to bed, I went for my shower and I came up and I went to bed that night. I went, I had one pair of pajamas, I didn't sanitize. Um, and that's the way it has been since this time last year. That was after one session where the counsellor said you need to be prepared to put in the work. You kind of got cross and said, I'll show you. Uh, yeah, I'm, <laughs> as she says now, like we joke about it now, like I'm quite a stubborn person. So I kind of was like, exactly, I'll show you. I am willing to put in the work. You don't know me like I am. Now she explained after that day she was talking, my OCD was talking to her. My OCD was making every excuse mm. possible. Um, so that's what she said. I was talking to your OCD and I was trying to bully your OCD back. And that's exactly what she did. And my life has changed because of her. That's what it has. I'm able to live my life now. Mm. Um, as I said, I'm 75% there, but I'm, you have to work every day at it. Talk me through a typical day, Stephanie, and how you get through with your OCD, how it bothers you during the course of a day. Well, the OCD, it bothers me. The minute I get up in the morning, um, you have to think, you have to take it. Uh, I used to take it day by day, but you actually have to take it hour by hour. Anything um, stress related, anything anxiety related that comes into my life, that is a trigger. It can happen. You don't know what any day is going to hold when you have OCD. When you get up in the morning, I have to say, right, don't let OCD win. I have to externalize my OCD. I'm constantly talking to my OCD. If anybody heard me, they think I was going mad. But if I don't externalize my OCD and say, right, I don't want, I'm not doing this today, basically. Um, it'll take over. It'll, it takes over your head. I don't, I don't want this to be an uncomfortable question, but is it a struggle to stay away from the sink? It is. You have to constantly fight to stay away and not give in to the compulsion. That's what it is. It's always a struggle. Um, I don't think anybody, as I said, I don't think anybody be ever fully cured of it. But you have to learn to live with it. And I'm able to live with it now. Um, and I'm able to live my life. Um, but it is, yeah, it's like an addiction, basically. Yeah. Make it very hard to do something like hold down a job or anything like that. Yeah, um, like I can't work with people at the moment. Um, now, I will be able to work with people eventually, but I can't work with people one on one face, like face to face. Um, but funny enough, horses, was we have horses here and I'm able to go up to the horses and that's the only time I'm actually free of OCD. I don't find horses any ah, bit dirty. Ah, come here. Ah, no, stop. No, no. I mean, horses, there's an amount of mucking out yeah. And, and shoveling of you know what involved with horses, and and yeah. that doesn't bother you. Doesn't bother me. We, I have we've horses here our whole lives, and I'm able to go up to the horses. I have my own horse. No, we have twenty two horses here, or so. But I have my own particular horse, and I'm able to tack him up, go riding him, and that if I fall off in the sand, if I fall off in the field, 
that doesn't bother me. I go up and I clean him out every day. It doesn't bother me. Isn't that the strangest thing? Yeah, yeah. Have you ever been able to explain that? Uh, well, I said it before to my doctor and he said that I was I grew up with horses and I didn't grow up in a, a city or a town surrounded by people because I'm in the country. And he said that you actually would probably never find horses dirty because you are a country girl. But she, he said that if I was from the city or the town, you'd find uh, you'd find horses dirty and you wouldn't find people dirty, if that makes sense. It's it's very hard to explain. No, it's making sense to me. So what what worked for you effectively was finding a therapist and finding the determination within yourself. And I love the words you used. It's a bully in your head. You found the determination not to listen to that bully. Yeah, you. It's like anything. Like you always want to get better. Like I'd say, it's like I'm not saying it is or not because I I don't know. An alcoholic, you say you want to get better, but you still have that urge to drink. And it's the same with me with my OCD. I wanted to get better, but I still wanted to feel at ease. I didn't want. I wanted to wash my hands because if I wash my hands, my anxiety would ease down and I wouldn't be having to panic about oh what dirt is on me and that's exactly until I figured out I can't live without my mum and dad if I if anything happened to my mum and dad I could not live without them because they were such a support network for me I couldn't live without them so I needed something right Steph you need to take control of this basically it's great that you have and, and that you're doing so well Stephanie thank you for talking to me I think there's a lot of people struggling quietly with OCD, maybe not yeah. at the level you have it, but they are struggling with it, and I think you, your your story will will help them. Well, I just want to raise awareness that it will things will get better. As I said, I was in a really dark place. I was crying to my mum and my dad, saying that I didn't want to be here. I can't continue like this. And if I if I said this time last year that I'd be on the radio talking about my OCD to try and help other people, I'd say you're mad, stiff, stop like you know um, but yeah things do get better and just to keep trying and try different things try acupuncture reflexology I they all ease they calm you down basically they they give you a relaxation Mm. and it might only be for a few minutes but things will get better but you just have to keep trying and keep putting in hard work like you have to put in hard work every day that's what you do. I wish you success with that continued hard work, Stephanie. Thank you. Thanks, PJ. Thank yeah. you. Cheers. Have a good have a good day. Steph, interesting. Interesting. She had an awful life she had from it. And she still has to battle every day, like she said, to, to stay away from the sink. Because if she goes to the sink, she'll start washing over and over and over and over again. Do you know anybody with this? Have you been through it yourself? Have you found anything that works? to keep it at bay? Do, do you struggle with the obsessive compulsive disorder being suffered by a, a loved one? Give us a call. Um, look into this one. 0818 96, 96 96 Because just to go by what you hear, there's a lot of it out there. Right, it is that time of the morning. Your chance to take part in Live Free in 23 with Cork Credit Unions. You need to text a WhatsApp now to 083 396 96 96. I will then pick one number and ring that person and you need to answer the phone. Don't be saying hello now, right? 
Don't be saying hello. You need to say, I want to live free with Cork's 96 FM. I want to live free with Cork's 96 FM. You answer the phone with those words. Do mind your hello, PJ. Do mind your hello, I want to live free. No. It'll be no hello. The words will be, I want to live free with Cork's 96 FM. We're looking for your entries now. Live free in 23. Oh my God! With Cork Credit Unions. Here for you always. Spending money. money. Cork's 96 FM. 96 FM. And we nearly had a heart attack yesterday when we went to call our qualifier because she couldn't find her phone and then she had the child in the buggy and she was trying to get the child out of the buggy and then she tried to ring us back. Oh, stop it. But we got it eventually. Let's see where we're going here. Let's get a line first of all. There we go. Now what's this number in front of me? Do, do, do. Do, do, three. Do, 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 six. Right, don't say hello, whoever you are. Don't say hello. Don't say hello. But answer the blasted phone. Don't say hello. Don't say hello. Don't say hello. Say something, though. Say something. Don't say hello, but say something. Okay. We'll, We'll try again. That sounds like it went to voicemail. Let's 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 try it again. Here we go. Same number. Five. Okay. Please be there. And please don't say hello. Please don't say hello. Please answer the phone. I want to live for you a car Yes, 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 yes. Uh, who am I talking to? Podrick. Podrick. And who else's phone is ringing, Podrick? <laughs> Somebody else. Podrick Casey, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. All right, you answered your phone the right way. What happened the first time? You didn't answer it at all. Did you go to voicemail? I was going listen to the radio here and work, and it sounded like my phone went to voicemail. <laughs> it did, it did, yeah. Your phone, you were listening to the radio with your own phone on it. Podrick, that's the best story I've heard all day, but you're going through. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> so you could use all you could use all those uh, there's a radio on now and there's a little bit of a delay behind us that's what's going on that's what's going on Podrick Casey stay with us there and we'll put you back on to the lads and we get a few more details off you but you no are problem. our latest qualifier on Live Free in 23 John I just uh, qualified you just qualified I yeah. swear you've qualified you're through you're qualified alright put I you back to the lads stay there now a second alright that's Podrick Casey he has qualified he is going into the draw for a holiday 2000 euro um, computers and electrical worth another 2000 euro 500 euro worth of takeaways all his mates at work at he's at them a thousand euro worth of fuel for the car or for the home we're really going to make somebody's year could it be Padre's? Live free in 23 with Cork Credit Unions here for you always only on Cork's 96 FM yeah, I would. Yeah, I didn't ask him what what he'd do if he won. I suppose I should. I, I, there, he's he's probably gone. He's probably gone. What did he do if he won? I think he was he was half afraid to wonder had he even qualified. But yeah, thanks for that. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Right, let's go back to some of your comments on 
our earlier topics of conversation because you have been busy this morning with politics and a change of government and whether there should be a change of government or should not be a change of government and what who is eventually going to sort out the health service if anybody can sort it out. Uh, PJ, it's the independents and Labour who are keeping this unworkable government in power. They're the ones that'll support the government when things go wrong. Which would be a good argument. Only Labour haven't been in government since what? They got their arses handed to them when? Was it 2016, I think? They haven't been in government since then, but it's a point. I don't think it's the young are suffering under this system as such. It's the working class. Older people may have a house, but heaven help them if they fail. You're well got if you earn maybe 70k a year. Other than that, you're struggling. Maybe not every day, but when your tenancy is up or when you're trying to save for a house or when you're sick or your child is sick or your wife or husband is sick and when your child wants a special college course, etc., 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 then you're in trouble. With regards to people staying in politics, this one's come up before and I'm not entirely sure how I feel about it. Um, PJ, there should be a limit to the time that individuals are allowed to stay in national politics. Two terms is more than enough. Let others benefit from the generous salary and expenses. It isn't a real job as there's no responsibility or accountability involved. It's really another form of showbiz. (laughs) Thanks, PJ, uh, says Ed. I I tell you this much, Ed. I remember years ago, someone who I knew well, who was a good pal, involved in politics, local politics, but involved, very involved, said to me, I said to him one time, I said, God, what what would happen if I stood for election? He said, Coogan, you're unelectable. You're utterly and completely unelectable. I said, what do you mean? You're my friend. He said, yeah. I could not get you elected for all the money in the world. So I thought, all right, leave it at that. Not that I would. I remember being on holidays one time and I met uh, a local politician um, who I knew. And we were just wandering along the prom one afternoon. I'm going one way and he's going the other way. Ah, would you look who it is. Hello, how are you? You know the deal. You're on holidays and you happen to meet some. Hello, how are you? And he says to me, will, will, will be chance a point? I said, well, it's three o'clock in the afternoon. It's 32 degrees. Yeah, let's chance a point. So we wandered into this bar and we called a point and uh, Makara put two telephones up on the table. And I said, well, you're on holidays. He says, no, 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 no. He said, that phone is never off. This was his work phone. Never off. And while I was there, he took two calls. Um, while he's on holidays in a, su- a sunny place, at 30 degrees, at three in the afternoon, he's taking calls on his phone. And I thought, I wouldn't do it for all the money in the banks. On to the health system and how broken the health system is. Finbar's call and also Seamus as how things are. I'm 100% behind Finbar, says Martina. For years, I've been believing that we need to go back to the Southern Health Boards, etc. He's 100% right. There are too many chiefs and too many managers. Isn't that part of this Slauncher Care plan that they've been touting to us now for a few years? That under Slauncher Care, they'd go back to, to regions and go back to doing it on a region by region basis. The problem with Slauncher Care is it's been, they've been farting about with it so long now whether it'll ever happen. Your experience... Yeah, I read that one. My fear would be for the young. If you put the give-everything parties... 
I wonder who you mean. If you put the give everything parties into power, we'd see a return to emigration. That's why people are afraid of change, rightly or wrongly. I don't know who I can suggest who you mean by the give everything parties, but you're wondering if they got into power, there'd be more emigration. Getting back to baby James, because when we were talking to Finbar about the health system, this message came in and said, well, look, on the other side of that, and however bad Finbar and Seamus think it is, well, remember Emer telling his yesterday about how wonderful baby James's treatment was and all of that and how he's doing so well now. And that was an interesting conversation. Massive response to that, actually, on our podcasts. And you can find that if you missed it. You can find that interview on our podcast, wherever you get yours. But PJ, Re Emer and Baby James, she said herself on her social media, they were fobbed off numerous times initially. And they were told that James had an autoimmune disorder, among other things. She said herself she, he wouldn't be here had she not kept pushing and insisting on retests. What kind of healthcare system was that? They nearly killed her baby by delaying diagnosis. Admittedly, now I missed the start of the interview, so maybe she covered that. She didn't, actually. I think she received incredible care as he was so young, but also because they had dropped the ball before diagnosing him with MSSA. Well, now, she said nothing about that, uh, either to me when I interviewed her, or indeed, (coughs) I think it was Fergal who was dealing with her um, beforehand. I don't think she said any of that, but if she was saying it on her social media, then she was. And on the idea, and this is put out there, and I don't know how you feel about it. I can see some. I can see it as reasonable. It costs about four hundred thousand euro to train a doctor to get them ready for their year in the internship and then whatever they do after that. And we know they're beating a path to the airport. We can see why they're beating a path to the airport. But this message comes in, I, and there is a belief out there in some circles I'm not necessarily saying I share it I just know that it's out there there's a belief out there in some circles that when you've done your intern year you should then commit three, maybe two to three years to to the public health service in Ireland to kind of give back for the fact that so much has been invested in qualifying you as a doctor my child is doing medicine in UCC And I'm paying big money for the privilege. If my child wants to leave Ireland when qualified, that's their decision. My child doesn't owe anybody anything. Anybody agree or disagree with that one? In 23, we'll cut the cost of living for one loyal listener with the ultimate live free grand prize on Cork's 96 FM. Win a holiday. Free fuel. Supermarket shopping. Computers and electrical. Concert tickets. Fashion and beauty. Free food. And a credit union account with cash. Spending money. Money. Listen to Casey and Ross in the morning and all day long. For your chance to text or WhatsApp in to win. To win. Live free in 23. With Cork Credit Unions. Here for you always. Out of money. Only on Cork's 96 FM. The lines are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 FM. 
You want to win 100 quid from pennies, do you? A pennies voucher for 100 quid. I know prices are gone up in there, but there was a time when you'd nearly get a store for 100 quid. But you can win that 100 euro pennies voucher by voting for the fresh new music that we play. And then you can shop for free. Ten minutes is all it'll take. It's an online survey at 96fm.ie. It's the Quark's 96fm music panel. Choose the tunes and win that 100 euro voucher for pennies. Do it now at 96fm.ie. That's just a by the way to let you know that we are again offering you the chance to choose our music. 0818 96 96 96 is the number to call. And that's exactly what Mary has done with regard to the situation in the HSE. Mary, what would you like to say? Good morning. Hello, good morning. I just wanted to point out... Like, oh, sorry, kind of Mary. <laughs> sorry to cut across you. Just hold on there for oh. me. Ten seconds. I must apologise. Okay. I forgot to mention the Garda Control Room have been on to say that the road on Belvelli Bridge at a Hearns Corner is closed. That's what they call the back road into Cove. You know, you go over Belvelli Bridge... You can turn right to go the main road or left to take the roundabout route. The left turn is closed there by Bell Valley Castle. We know not why. It just is, and they wanted us to point it out. Okay, Mary, thanks for holding. What do you want to say about the, the health service? Hello. I was just um, responding there to just some of the conversations. Apparently, the average wage in the HSE is 85,000. Yeah. Okay, we know that the porters and we definitely know the you know the nurses and the you know nurses assistants and all that are paid well under that mm. which means that it's been driven up by doctors i presume executive you know the higher management yeah paid the, the higher paid people whatever within the service but well, when you That's consider that the chief exec earns the bones of 400,000. Yeah, exactly. Or rather is paid. I don't think anyone earns that kind of money. They're paid well, for yes, kind of, Exactly. Yeah. And in fairness, the biggest barrier to doctors is the doctors themselves who have now become consultants. Okay. They are the ones who are actually jamming up the system, if you like, kind of thing. And I think a major part of that is the way that they're able to operate both public and private, they're able to get a wage and they're able to operate mm. privately in mm. the same premises. Like, would we put up with a situation whereby our teachers teach public, you know, do their public work in one classroom and then go off into another classroom and run a grind school? You're right. You're 100% right. We, we would not put up with that situation and that two-tier system in our education, why do we have it in our health? If a doctor wants to take on a private practice, he should have to take all the risk for the mm. extra money that he can earn on that. Do, do you think, Mary, that a himself. consultant, because it's long, it's, it's an old argument and, and one that goes either way, do you think that a consultant employed by HSE in public hospitals yeah. should not be allowed to have a private practice. If you want to work in the private sector, off with you. If you want to absolutely. work in the public sector, well, yes, we'll pay you absolutely. well for it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. You know, and it, like, it, it goes like kind of thing far beyond that. Like, in fairness, paying one consultant, you know, 600 grand, which some of them are earning those kind of figures. Between their public and private, there would be some of them would be, yeah. Easily, yeah. And, you know, that would be quite conservative in, in some cases. Like, it just does not make sense to me. Three, doc- three 
working for 200,000 mm. would provide a much better service to us. The trouble All. is, Mary, that they won't, and this conversation has been going on, I'm reading some of yeah. the Sunday papers, in particular the Business Post is very good on this kind of thing. Yes. They simply won't come back from Sydney or Shanghai or, or Boston or anywhere. And, they won't and, come uh, back for that. I, well, sorry, I actually think if they were guaranteed it, if there was three of them, they won't come back because if they can get 600 grand, okay, they are always on and they're extra on call or whatever. But if their quality of work, like, and in fairness, if you had a, a 200 grand that you were sharing, you know what I mean? If you had, were, it, you'd have, you'd only have to cover every third weekend or third of your on call would be reduced. Yeah. Your quality of, you know, work life, if you like, your work life balance would be better. So we would offer an overall bet. And in fairness, I actually think there are a lot of people who would work for 200 grand. Probably are, Mary, but, you know, you're... you're, You know, and the thing is, like, maybe, like, the thing is, we also have the situation where so many of our medical, you know, um, places in college are taken up with overseas students because that's where the colleges make the money. Oh, yeah. So they're always going to go back. Hmm. Yeah. So we're already priming that sector for immigration. Yeah. Do, do you like think, Mary, in, it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a talking point that's out there. Do you think that when a young doctor qualifies, and that's at the end of their intern year, the year they must give at the end, do you think that at the end of that time, they should be obliged to give a couple of years to the system at home? Um. Well, I heard the, the comment of the parents saying they're paying for You pay through the nose for any college course for your kids. Yeah. And very few of them have the earning potential of medicine at the end of it. Yes. So, you know, that argument isn't really fair. Absolutely, your child has earned their place or whatever on medical, you know, on the course. But, like, you'd wonder, like, how many of them would actually be there if they weren't getting those stratospheric salaries at the end of it? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. how many of them are doing it for the love of... Doctoring. Doctoring, like, or whatever, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I, I and, really and to be fair, Mary, I suppose we must also you know, make the point that, you know, there'd be a lot of doctors just go out to, to CUH and, and take, yeah. take it. You, you, you would have the, the, the consultants and the, yes. the higher end, on, like you yes. said, stratospheric money. But you've got a lot of doctors registrars and house officers the, the vast majority of them they're not on colossal dosh at all you know no. and that's they're on I'm decent saying. salary if, but not if, colossal if dosh. it was if that was spread out more there'd be more more on the say 200 grand which would be a very nice salary mm. and you know what I mean give them a very good quality of life the work life balance as I say would be better you know I don't know are we just you know, ending up with the wrong people because of the structure of the of the system, yeah. that kind of thing. Are they becoming more detached from their... And there are some incredible doctors. We all know, we all know that. You yeah. know what I mean? And go well and far above beyond what would be expected Indeed. of them as, a, you know, either a doctor, consultant or whatever. And But they have stayed here. And a lot of them, in fairness, okay, the salary yeah. is... See, it, it used to be a thing, Mary. It's not, it's not the only... Thing. It was always a thing 
that a doctor or a nurse now, to be fair, but doctors yes. would qualify, do their intern year, do a couple of years mucking around the system here. And then they went overseas. If you take the case of Chris Luke, he went to the UK, he spent yes. 20-something years there, rose to consultant level over there, and then came back. Others go yeah. to Australia, some go to Boston. Yeah. So it was part of becoming a better doctor, more experienced. Exactly. But now they don't come back. Well, as I say, like kind of thing, you know what I mean? They, because the health service is a mess. Mm-hmm. It's not an attractive job to go into. And the money basically isn't the driver. You yeah. know what I mean? It's, if they, the, hour, they it's might the hours and the burnout are the problem. Yeah. The hours the bur- and just a ca- relentless kind yeah. of just, it's awful. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and... It's just, it's not working, like, kind of thing. You know what I mean? These are highly trained companies and to go into a situation where everything is just totally yeah. incompetent is, you know, you, you, it's you frustrating be... for somebody who has come back from where, you know what I mean? Yeah. You, you, you would be left wondering, wouldn't you, Mary, where do we go from here? How do we fix this system? Thank you. Good conversation. 0818 96 96 96. It costs a lot of money to become a doctor. The doctor does the hard work both in college and in the hospital. No, they should absolutely not be made to stay here after they qualify. They owe their success to themselves and probably to their parents who pay the fees. And that's from Phil. PJ, the problem is not whether they should be made stay after graduating. The problem is why do they actually want to leave? There's not a lot to be happy about here. Poor pay no house, cost of living crisis. If I was a doctor, I'd go as well. I'm just comparing it to the army. Bear with me for a second here. The, the, the defence forces in general. like The defence forces will train you as an engineer. The defence forces will train you as a pilot. The defence forces will train you as a lot of things. Then you're expected to give the defence forces a number of years to say, well, thank you for training me, um, kind of thing. So if you're trained as a pilot you're then expected to go and give the Air Corps a number of years. An engineer is similar. Um, and, and maybe, and I don't know what side of this I come down on. I'll be very honest, I don't know what side I come down on. So you, you study as a doctor, it's a long, arduous qualification. Tough exams all the way, hard work, many hours, no social life. Then you go in and you work every hour God sends as an intern. And then at the end of it, some of them are heading for the airport. Loads of them are heading for the airport. If at the end of it, someone says to you, well, here you go now. You've completed your internship. You've completed your final exams. Well done. Well done, John. Well done, Mary. Well done, Tom. Congratulations. There's your, there's your degree. There's your, you know, you know yourself. And congratulations, Dr. O'Sullivan. Now, there's your job. As in, we've got a job for you. And you start work Monday morning at nine o'clock in the Mercy or you start work Monday morning at 9 o'clock in the COH, and there is your three-year contract. So that you can do what you like after that, but you must give us three years. It's an idea that's out there. I, I don't know what side of it I come down on. Help me with it? 0818 96 96 96. There was a, an announcement went up last night from the street cafe for Cork's Homeless quite a lengthy statement, the gist of which is that they are closing down. Uh, They, 
published a statement last evening which is quite long, but I'm just going to read the bones of it. We've had an issue with the charity regulator for almost two and a half years. We've been receiving enormous pressure from them to become a registered charity. They're insisting we're in breach of the 2009 Charities Act. Apparently, once we get items of a monetary value, we're breaching that act. And we're facing a 10-year jail sentence or a €300,000 fine. Against what we wanted as a group, we felt we'd no choice but to comply with this. So the arduous task began. We filled out numerous forms, declarations, documents, constitutions, policies, phone calls. You name it, we've done it. And to all of it, no avail. It still wasn't enough. So last October... After we received another email threatening us once again, we said no more. This is something we never wanted to be. We're all like-minded people helping those less fortunate. If we wanted to be a small business or apply for grants, fine. But we'd no intention of doing either. We just wanted to help those in need. So we sent an email saying this is beyond our remit and that we as a group would no longer be engaging by email or by filling out any more forms. And we'd prefer to remain as we are without the complications of being a registered charity. And what they do, as you know, is they voluntarily set up a soup kitchen or a street cafe every so often. And they bring along stock and they give it out for free to those who need it on the streets. And they're doing it for a while and volunteers and all of that and great work. So on the 3rd of January then they say we got yet another letter giving us a deadline for the last day of the month. The charities regulators have told us on many occasions we must be a registered charity to operate as we're not exempt from rules and regulations. So here it is. We have unanimously decided as a group to close the street cafe. As much as we're heartbroken, it's the only choice we have. We'll be out this Thursday for the last time. And on that statement was attached the the letter from the charities regulator. That went up last night on social media from the street cafe for Cork's homeless. It prompted uh, an email uh, to us this morning uh, just from Jennifer. Just before Christmas, I texted in about how my seven-year-old wanted to do something to help the homeless. A voluntary group collected in our local community on Thursdays, so we volunteered to be sandwich makers. My daughter made 32 sandwiches. She was so proud. We set a resolution to do this once a month. We dropped our sandwiches off to a lovely woman and went on about our business at Christmas. As I visited the Facebook page yesterday evening to volunteer ourselves again, I was heartbroken with the news they're being forced to close their homeless cafe. Devastated, in fact. I won't have the heart to tell my daughter. How could I possibly make her understand? And to the people who have given so much of their time and effort only to be scolded as they, inverted commas, deal with goods of monetary value, well, I believe what they've been doing is priceless. As angry as this makes me when I think of the community of homeless people that really need a warm welcome and something to eat on a Thursday, no longer having that facility, it just brings a tear to my eye, says Jennifer. That's an interesting one. The street cafe, they've closed down, they will close down at the end of the month because they say that they've come under incredible pressure from the charity's regulator to register. And they said, fine, we'll give that a go. If they feel we must, we must. They put together all of the paperwork, documents, 
conflict of interest policies, multiple phone calls, emails, you name it, they, they submitted it according to their statement. And then the charities, we need more, and they gave them more, and we need still more, and they gave more. And now they said, sod it. Sod it. This is not what we wanted to do at all. The first place we're closing down at the end of January. And we're so sorry about that. He's on love for belters only, making you feel good. Or has Lewis Capaldi got you thinking, forget him. What I want. Tell us the music you want to hear. And what songs should disappear with the Cork's 96FM Music Panel. Take our 10-minute music survey. And you could win a 100 euro penny voucher. Give it a go right now. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. C96FM.ie Yeah, on health and various ministers of health, James Riley, a doctor himself, was involved in government when the orthopaedic was closed. I worked there. That was a complete disaster for Cork. Didn't they move all the services down to the south? And now they've got a, a big campus up there with a primary care centre and that Samaria's urgent care and all that. But I remember at the time, I do remember that at the time, the closure of, of the orthopaedic as an orthopaedic hospital. I remember people complaining about it on the north side of the city and saying, oh, my child has asthma. What happens if my child has an asthma attack at two o'clock in the morning? Now, you couldn't take them to a bone hospital, but people were saying, well, why not develop it as a general hospital for the north side? I remember that argument only too well. Thank you for that. Here's a story that's in the news and on the papers this morning. It concerns Pascal Donoghue, the Minister for Finance and election expenses and money that should have been declared as election expenses and wasn't declared as election expenses. And he's been explaining it for the last couple of days as to what happened. And he says he made a mistake. And you know yourself, according to one of the newspapers this morning, if there's anything more to this than Pascal Donoghue is goosed. I don't quite know what they mean by that. Uh, you couldn't. We, we, would they really go so far as to ditch a minister for public enterprise and a former minister for finance? Is there something there that could do that, that could force him out? We don't know. But it is in the news. It is being followed. Pa- Michael says, Pascal was a minister for finance and he couldn't even make out his own election expenses. Nothing to see or worry about here, is there? A, says says Michael. This is another story, I think, that came from The Ditch, uh, which is one, probably one of the most talked about news sources in the last while. It's just a couple of journalists, a couple of hacks who are digging and digging and digging and won't be stopped from digging. And a lot of people saying The Ditch is, is a new form of journalism. I think I said last week here on the programme, I've been reading some of the ditches stuff and some of the work they're doing is interesting. Some of the stories they're breaking are fascinating. I just hope for their sake that they've got good legal cover because trust me, when you've been along around this game as myself and Fergal and Emer and Barry in the newsroom and Vic and all the, when you've been along around the, the, the blocks as much as we have, you realise the importance of having good legal backing to check stuff out before you go with it. But that having been said, the ditch doing good work. But you know what's kind of on my mind? Who's feeding the ditch? Who is it that knows where all the bodies are buried? And not only knows where the bodies are buried, who is it who knows who bought the shovel? To bury the bodies. Who is feeding the ditch? 
because yeah there are two grand lads or three grand lads but who is feeding the best journalist in the world needs a source who's feeding the ditch watch this space because I think that might come out soon 0818 96 96 96 and lorries had its two back wheels come off the back axle just before the corner going into Castle Martyr you can expect delays crikey I'd hate to have been behind that when it happened that's as you go down there by the old was it a monastery used to be there going into Castle Martyr into the long street there that's the bad that bend coming down the hill from the, from the oh my goodness me two wheels come off a truck we hope that everybody is all right. 0818 96 96 96. Francis went for a walk early one morning recently in Kinsale and was kind of shocked by what she saw. I'll talk to her next. 0818 96 96 I go to Francis in a sec. Mary was on. She said, hi PJ. Could an accountant or a financial advisor or local counsellors maybe help those people with the street cafe to get their paperwork filled out properly so they can keep functioning. There's so many people using the service. It's probably the only way some people can get a hot cup of tea or a sandwich, says Mary, which is a good point. You may need help with it. They've just decided to throw their hat at it now because they say they're months and months and months and months trying to sort out the, the regulator to register. And they can't. They can't seem to, to satisfy the, the regulators. So they've just said, sod it. We're done. We're out of here. And yes, you could argue that the regulator is being very arduous and very difficult and there are mounds of paperwork, but then you have to look back at some of the charity scandals in this country and how much money went missing in high places to people who were paid colossal salaries. That's why the registrator or the regulator, call him what you will, was set up and it's an arduous, arduous thing to get yourself registered. But yeah, maybe they need help with that. Maybe someone could come forward and help them to do the paperwork for the regulator and maybe save the cafe. It's a good thought. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. And Francis, thank you for waiting. You went for a walk around Kinsale uh, early. Now it's, it's gone back a while now. It was actually New Year's morning, uh, an early morning walk, and you were shocked by what you saw. Morning. Yes, PJ. I went for a walk with the dog early morning, uh, New Year's Day, and yeah, quite taken aback. Now, the rubbish, I understood because, um, you know, I understood the council would not be out and about cleaning up or anybody for that matter. The town was pretty dead. But what I did notice was uh, the derelict buildings. That was, that's what got to me. It was just... The town was quiet, so they really kind of popped out. They stood out even more, and there wasn't a street. And I've, I've noticed this for a while now. There just wasn't a street you could go down uh, to avoid them. There there were a few on every street. Yeah, I know could sail reasonably well, as you'd imagine. And I was just thinking, where were you seeing them? Would they be in what you might call the main tourist area? No, no, just uh, walking through the town, the small, tiny little town that it is walking through the town, coming down the main, uh, well, not Main Street exactly, but I suppose it's Pierce Street. So that street's fine. And then you turn the corner there, coming around there by Patsy's Corner, terrible state, um, can sail cabs, the old building. Yes. Um, 
you know, they're just, it's hard to come to turn the street without without seeing them. They're, they're everywhere. The folk house is a shocking condition altogether. Really? Yeah, and I mean, I like, the reason I said it was, it you know, it's a tourist town. As much as people don't want to admit it, I think sometimes, Kinsale's a tourist town, and I do tours in the town. And I'm hard pressed nowadays to find a street that uh, I can walk down and take them down because they do see it. People think, oh, the tourists don't see it. They always ask something, you know, like yes. what's wrong with that or what a shame that building's been neglected. And yes, and I got some people came back to me, a lot of people came back on this, the, the Facebook page and said, oh, look, you know, they... The council aren't working today, get over it and blah, blah, blah. But it wasn't the rubbish or the dog poos I was talking about. It was the derelict buildings. Yes. I mean, across from our our lovely um, uh, Michelin star restaurant is a, is a boarded up. The, the Silent Banjo is boarded up there for, gosh, years now. And it looks terrible. And I mean, Lemon Leaf, the lovely cafe, they're looking out on that every day. Yeah. It's it's a disgrace for the people running businesses, people who take pride in their business, and they're looking out, they're looking at this. And Francis, who owns these places? Are they privately owned? Have they just let to go to rack and ruin? What's happening with them, do you know? Um, I wouldn't know all, about all of them, PJ, but I do know some privately owned, whatever their story is. I don't understand. To me, it's just hoarding property. It makes no sense. Um, you know, perhaps they can't afford it. So what I think needs to happen is a new energy needs to come into the towns. Cork City is the same. You know, there are plenty of derelict buildings, but there needs to be an energy now around these old buildings. Do them up. Um, maybe get some type of new company to get in there, fix them up, put them on auction. I don't know. I think mm. we need uh, to create think tanks in our towns and villages and, and cities and, and clean them up. I mean, what angers me is that all this talk about a housing crisis, it's not a housing crisis. It's a house management crisis, I think. How, how do you mean by that term? What do you mean? There are hundreds of properties, thousands of properties, but we keep going down the road of uh, greenfield sites, you know, building brand new houses. I mean, the amount of houses going up in Kinsale, brand new houses, you know, whereas we could be doing up these old properties, give them a new lease of life, new energy in a town. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Same in the city. They talk about no the shortage of houses. All you have to do is look up at the top of every shop there and there's apartments. There that's, are thousands of apartments. That's true. And every day as I look down from Studio One, I often think that. I think, like, the, just look at Patrick Street, the the top, the top floors on Patrick Street, how, how much of that space is just empty, gathering dust and, and doing... Who do you think needs to act here, Francis? Do you think it's the government, or sorry, the, the council, who need to say to the owners that they can identify, use it or lose it? Are we into compulsory purchase? What needs to happen? Well, what I've seemed to pick up a little bit of information on this going along is that there's supposed to be a register of dereliction buildings, derelict buildings uh, for towns and cities. Okay, so Kinsale lost its county councils, town council years ago. And that's a shame because Kinsale needs a town council. It's a big enough town now, yes. and it's a busy enough town that there should be a council. And in that case, the councils, I believe, should be responsible. But I also was told that, now I don't know 
a whole lot about this, PJ. It's not my area at all of expertise, but there's supposed to be a register with county councils and town councils of derelict buildings. Well, since Kinsale doesn't have a town council anymore, it's based in Bandon. And somebody said to me, they went down there and they checked the register in Bandon and there isn't one Kinsale building listed. Hmm. So if the if the town councils don't know about the buildings or they're not listed or they're not registered, I don't think there's a whole lot of care about them. Yeah. So I think either we create new types of a local uh, body mm. that take over these places, fix them up. You know, this could be a construction company, do them up, put them up for auction, perhaps compulsory purchase orders. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we go about fining people. Because I'm sure in a lot of cases, people are strapped. They can't fix them up. I, I know the odd situation where they've at least painted them to, to look good, you know, to keep yeah. them looking fresh, but they don't probably don't have the money to, to do them up. Then sell them on, you know? Yeah. yeah. It'll be springtime soon. Uh, then summertime, that's Kinsale's peak time. Uh, and you doing your walking tours. Uh, how how do you explain it when someone says, and they do, our American friends in particular will say, well, why is all that falling down? What do you say to I them? know. I say, oh, um, well, with some of them that are just boarded up, and there's a lot just boarded up, I say, oh, that's okay, they're working on that. That'll be, that'll be a new premise here in another few months or something. <laughs> you're talking, lastly, uh, you're talking about a place steeped in wonderful history. And like you said, all this dereliction there, running it down. Yes, it's, it's a shame. And the thing is, in my opinion, it's a tiny town and it could look great. It should be gleaming. Now, I'm not pointing the finger at anybody because I get out there. I have done my part. I take black plastic bags and I meet with wonderful volunteers here. And we've cleaned up the beaches um, for the past couple of years. So I've done that. I've painted the phone box down in Kinsale with friends. We got permission from air, permission from the council painted the phone box because it was in shocking state. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, I can't I can't take a paintbrush and our scaffolding and get up and do those buildings, but if I could, I would. <laughs> Francis, nice talking to you. Can't wait till I'm down in Kinsale again. It's, it's, it's been a while. Thanks a lot. You're very welcome, PJ, and I hope when you come down, it's gleaming and looking the way it should. So, oh. bye-bye, PJ. See you, Francis. I have no doubt that it will look great. I love Kinsale. Kinsale on a summer's morning. Uh, there's a little cafe there. The name has gone off the top of my head now, but just as you go over to the sailing boats, to the club, to the yacht club, to where the boats are down there by the by the dock, there's a lovely little cafe there. And uh, when my, my boy goes sailing in the summertime, he goes out with the sailability crew, I often wander across there for a coffee and an omelette on a Saturday morning and just the sea and the boats and the calm and the sun it's its gorgeous so if it's falling down it needs to be addressed actually that be, PJ that building that Francis mentioned has been condemned because the roof is falling in that is why it's derelict at the moment thank you 0818 96 Lots of thoughts on young doctors and the idea that is out there. And as I said to you, I don't know which side of this I come down upon. Uh, Depending on who you talk to, you get a different view. Uh, When a young doctor qualifies and finishes their intern year and has their degree and their qualification and all of that, should 
they then be given a job? I'm not saying do it for nothing. Should they then be given a job in HSE for three years or maybe four years, but definitely for three years? Give them a job and say, well, you, can, you can't go anywhere now until you've done this. Commit them to three years uh, working with the HSE. Paid in full, by the way. I'm not asking anyone to work for nothing. No one is. What are your thoughts on that? I really don't know on what side of that argument I come down upon. Some more comments on it in a sec. When are they going to stop this nonsense, says Morris, about hospital trolleys? The trolleys disappear when there's a ministerial visit. Oh, that's come up so many times on this programme, Morris. And so many people have said, consultants have said, that is the most awful moment when they realise that the only thing you can smell is paint and bleach and you can't see a trolley for miles because the minister is coming in the front door. It's a pantomime and a nasty one and it's an insult to all the staff that you put that pantomime on for. 0818969696. Now, Mangan's clock is as famous as Father Matthew. It's as much a part of Cork as Shandon. Um, it's up for repair. Now, I haven't looked up at Mangan's clock in years, let alone met anybody under it. It was a place you'd have a a jag under. You'd go for a meet for a date under Mangan's clock. It hasn't worked in years. Uh, it's to be repaired now by Stokes Clocks and Watches. They're the people who keep Shandon ticking over, as it were. It's going to cost about seven and a half grand starting at the end of January, take about three months, and then the clock will work again. The beautiful Mangan's clock. Liam O'Higgin, uh, Cork historian, joins me briefly. It's a clock of... what? What's the background to it, Liam? Good morning. Morning, PJ. Hi, Liam. How are you doing? The history of Mangan's clock. How long was it put there? It's there since the 1820s. Right. No, I was on Tim O'Hill in Hindi earlier on and he gave me a lot of information about it. There's very little about it. Only that it was broke because um, it stopped there a couple of years ago as well and it was stopped for nearly four years and the same thing has happened again. Mm. Now they're going to get it repaired by Stokes watchmakers in McCotton Street mm-hmm. and with the help of that will be up and running again shortly. How, how is it powered or is it wound up? Well... From what I can gather, from the with the last entrance it was, it was, um, that it stopped, they replaced it on modern modern equipment, whatever kind of equipment that is, I don't know. But that's it's after stopping now again, and it's stopped for another couple of years. So I don't know what, to, you know, I really don't know how it's worked. But Michael Linhan explained to me there a while ago that um, it was a bracketed clock one time onto the wall of the building. Nice. And then they have to put it out on the footpath, you know? Yeah. And um, it was a very famous place, you know, long ago, if a fella had, especially if a fella was doing a line with a girl from the north side, they'd meet under Manglin's clock. Meet on the border, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If she was from the south side, they'd meet a singer's corner. I know. But um, it's been repaired now anyway, and it's um, to no harm because it's, it is a landmark that should be. You know, appreciated it's such, by the it's such an important part. There's a lot of them there, actually, uh, Liam. Other landmarks that would come to mind. Well, of course, you have the um, the fire the fireman's hut, which was very, you know, that was that was just across from Mangans there in the centre of the road mm. that just went missing. And um, the last time I saw that, well, not the last time, but I remember seeing that it was in storage 
in the corporation yard on the Belknap Road. Yes. Very stuff the Belknap yes. Road. Yes, we were talking about that recently. The, the, next, the, yeah. the next time I saw it, it was up in Fitzgerald's Park, inside in kind of a, a plot of ground behind the, the, the college station, as we call it, and it was halfway up to the Nelly covered in the top side. Yeah, that's sad. There's another clock, isn't there, over on the Colquay? That's been stopped for years. Stop, Do you know about that one? Has, yeah, and that's a pity, actually. That's in the old market, the bizarre market. And, um, you know, that's, that's a lovely clock. If you step back from it and look up at it, mm. then there's a clock for the pounds and everything. And it's there a furniture shame. store I, there, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never seen that clock walking, actually. Mm. And you think, you know, I, I think it's stopped for years. And it's a pity. And around the corner, then from that PGA, there's a very important little place there where um, John Dale is the ten water man. Yes. Uh, well, the stores have their, their car park now. In behind that now, uh, just up from that, there's um, Supermax. Supermax. Yeah. It, it, and behind that, there's a gateway in there, stayed in 1779, and it's beautiful. I know that gate. That, that gate should be out in the middle of the Patrick Street. Do we know the he- what's the history? I've often walked past it uh, when going to the cinema, maybe, or after the cinema. And, and what's the history of that gate? Please. The history of that gate. That was done further. You know the entrance into the car park now, Dunstore's car park. I do, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that gate was down there, actually. It was an entrance into John Daly's. Uh, it was the office. John Daly had um, a factory there. They were wholesalers. And they just make tanora. yeah. And uh, they were they were wine importers and everything, right. and all the designs are on the pillars of the gates, you know, great stuff that was being imported from right. France and all right. these places. And it's just you just can't even you can't even take a proper picture of it because you can't get back far enough. I they just wonder. came along, shifted it from where it was up into that corner, and then they built a big monstrosity of a building in front of it. Supermax in the Do you know, it's, it's part of the changing face, unfortunately. People often say sometimes, Liam, you know, we, we've too many sports shops and coffee shops and phone shops and vape shops. Would you agree? Well, they're the only shops we have in the city centre at the moment now, but, you know, all, all the other shops are all out in, you know, Mahan Pint and the, the, the shopping centres in Bishopstone, Douglas, and all these places, like, but all the, um, the shops, you know, you may. No, they're out there as well, but they're the only ones that are kind of left in the city centre. Yes. You know, this, the city centre has completely changed to what it used to be. Yeah, and it's and sad to see. If you ever watch... If you, you want watched... to see changes like the culture, see it is the place to see all the changes. That's right, that's right. It's changed dramatically, like, over the, the last couple of years. There's a lovely Facebook page, Cork in the 80s, uh, we put up old, wonderful old photographs. Even in the 40 years since, say, 1983, it has changed so much, Liam. Please, yeah, I can go back to the 40s. And I could, I could tell you changes by that you wouldn't even believe. I'm, I'm speaking of just about the middle parish alone. Yeah. Around Henry Street now in the Mercy Hospital. And I mean, the, the, the changes there are just unbelievable. And I'd be telling my kids about it and all I get is, I died, I died. I know. I died, that's the way things were. <laughs> all the old buildings and everything all gone. And, you know, just, I don't know, there's no... The, I don't know, there's no... I, I just can't put my finger on it, but... I know, I know, you must move on in all that mm. business. But, but you, can, have... you can move on, you can move on, and you can still nod to history. If you take one of my favourite cities in the world, would be Palma in, in, in Mallorca, in Spain. They, right. It's a very historic city. 
but it's also a very modern city, and they work right, it in right. together beautifully. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, you're going to have to go to Palma. I, yeah. I, if you've been in Galway lately, up around the shopping centre, they've incorporated the yes, wall. Yes, they have. I've seen that, building. Liam. It's, it's gorgeous. Lovely. Yes, yes, I Just There's a section of the old city wall here. Don't know. And um, Kettle's Key again. That's right. And um, there's a section of the wall in there. And you, doesn't, you have no access to it. Right? We had one of them in the Grand Parade Hotel on go. In, in the lobby, there was a bit of the wall there where people used to sit around a bit of the old city wall preserved but you'd wonder right 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 <laughs> I hope that it's probably still there but whatever happened with that hotel Liam always good to, to catch up on the history of our of our beautiful city our home by the Lee thank you for that that's Liam O'Higgin Mangan's clock should be back working by the springtime I have a son-in-law who's a consultant. He was working in England, but my daughter wanted to come back to Ireland. He tried everything to get a job here, but they've made it so difficult. It's very involved, but there are good doctors who want to come back. They're not getting the help. Look at when they did Ireland's call for the pandemic. Loads answered. Very few were taken on. Why was that? If the government truly wanted to reform and improve the health services, they should start with that. It's very obvious people find it hard to come back, so they have to put the effort into it. And the reason no one can form a government is because we all know what the problems are, but no politician is saying the hard things they do because it will upset people and break all the dog jams. It's easy to say, I'll fix it, but unless you explain fully how you'll do it, you're not going to get people's confidence. Phil says it costs a lot of money to become a doctor in Ireland. The doctor does the hard work, both in college and the hospital. No, they should not be made to stay here after they qualify. Um, the problem is not whether they should be made to stay. The problem is why do they want to leave in the first place? There's not a lot to be happy about here. Poor pay, no house, cost of living crisis. If I was a doctor, I'd go myself. And Kevin, last one today from Kevin, if you give five years to the HSE, well, the HSE would refund the cost of the degree. And it's a win-win, says Kevin. That's a good point at which to pause it. Programme edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Thank you for joining the conversation. We'll start it all again tomorrow, just after nine.